Hello, my name is Adrian Goldberg and welcome to the Byline Times podcast. The Byline Times, it's what the papers don't say, what radio doesn't report and what telly doesn't tell you. This time, hedging their bets, the millionaire financiers getting close to Tory ministers. We're talking about the hedge fund managers who have donated tens of thousands of pounds to the likes of Boris Johnson, other Conservative MPs and the Tory party generally. In some cases, these hedge funds have made huge profits as a result of ministerial decisions. And while we're not alleging that anything improper has gone on, we are, in the public interest, questioning whether those who stand to personally benefit from what the government does should be in any position to wield influence inside Number 10 or Number 11 Downing Street. I'll be joined shortly by Byline Times editor Hardeep Matharu and executive editor Peter Jukes. Before that, though, just a reminder that the Byline Times podcast is funded by subscriptions to the Byline Times, our wonderful monthly newspaper, which has exclusive content that you can't read online. We can report without fear or favour because there's no wealthy non-dom, nor indeed a hedge fund billionaire, telling us what to say. Our funding comes from ordinary subscribers, people like you. So if you can, please subscribe to the Byline Times. You get more details over at our website, bylinetimes.com. That's at bylinetimes.com. Peter, Hardeep, welcome. Peter, what do hedge funds do? Well, hedge funds are kind of a derivative market. So, you know, people are selling stocks and shares, they're selling commodities, they're selling currencies. And hedging, which was devised way back in the 17th century, is a way of people basically betting on prices going up or down. And, you know, a small percentage of the market, that's quite good. If you're, for example, it goes back to wheat exchanges and corn exchanges in places like Chicago. And if you're a farmer... You don't know how much you're going to sell your barrel of oats or pork barrel for. A hedger will basically bet on the price being a certain amount, sort of buy off you at that amount. And they could win or lose, depending on whether the price actually goes up or down. Now, they often bet hedge funds on stocks, bonds, and currencies going up. But also, they can make killing them going down. That's called shorting. So you go long or short. If you go short, you think against the rest of the market, I'm going to bet. It's a bit like saying, I bet Birmingham will come bottom of the league, right? And you can get one top. And that's how they make money. And how does their influence manifest itself then at the top of British politics? Well, this is the thing, Adrian. Obviously, various industries seek to influence government policies. You're an exporter, you're a musician, you're a trade union. And they have sectoral interests. You know, some sectors may, you know, a union might prefer more, you know, gas emissions than a more green sector. And you often have this problem of industries lobbying government with their sectional interests, which may not be in the whole interests of the country. And particularly the Conservative Party is mainly funded by private donors. Now, the thing about the Conservative Party, what has happened, and we tracked this three years ago, looking and the donors to Boris Johnson's leadership campaign, is that hedge funds and city traders constituted 75% of his donors. Now, there's no way on earth the British economy is reflected in those level of donations. Financial services, by the way, which includes banks, only contributes about 6% of GDP and 3% of employment. Hedge funds were major donors, 
both to Boris Johnson and to people like Rhys Mogg, the business uh, and energy secretary, and to both vote leave campaigns, are therefore heavily overrepresented in the donors of the Conservative Party, you know, by many factors of their influence in the economy. And the problem with hedge funds, as we have seen, two of the major donors, we have written about this three years ago, Crispin Odie, former son-in-law of Rupert Murdoch, runs a hedge fund. He made $350 million with his partner on Britain coming out, Brexit, on the night of the EU referendum. He is, he actually used to formally employ a number of years ago, Kwasi Kwarteng, the current chancellor. He has donated to Jacob Rees-Mogg and actually incubated Jacob Rees-Mogg's own capital investment fund. He also made quite a large amount of money, hundreds of millions probably, on the crashing of the pound last week. So there is the problem. These are major donors, the Conservative Party, the other one, Paul Marshall. Paul Marshall is, according to Tim Shipman's book, the person who persuaded Michael Gove to back Brexit. He made 200 million as Britain crashed out of the EU in 2016. The problem is the incentive for the, let's forget the hedge funds, just for one moment. Hedge funds hedge, they bet, like you might spread bet on Birmingham coming bottom of the league. Probably not millions, Adrian, I suspect, but that they are such significant donors. They meet and have a lot of access. We saw Kwasi Kwarteng met some hedge funds, had a champagne dinner with hedge funds after he made his mini-budget statement. The danger is there is a conflict of interest in them having prior knowledge or any influence on market-moving decisions which politicians make which they could benefit. And this particularly egregious case where it's the pound crashing, I we're not going to benefit, and a hedge fund could. And we should be clear, of course, that we're not suggesting any impropriety here. I emphasise that. But it's the the closeness and the appearance, at the very least, of the possibility of politicians being exposed to this kind of influence that is highly questionable in a democracy. And Hardeep, as Peter says, this came back into public prominence when Kwasi Kwarteng was revealed to have had a budget day cocktail party with financiers who may have profited from the crash of the pan. That's where these questions started coming again, albeit that Byline Times had been raising them first three years ago. Yes, that's right, Adrian. So it was a big scoop from the Times newspaper, the champagne cocktail party that Kwasi Kwarteng attended hours after the mini budget. And we know the consequences of the mini budget. The pound crashed, mortgage lenders withdrew offers. The Bank of England was forced to intervene to uh, raise interest rates. The International Monetary Fund also made a rare intervention, saying that these measures are likely to increase inequality in the UK. And just hours afterwards, it's emerged that the Chancellor was with a small group of people at a private party, many of them financiers associated with hedge funds. And according to the Times report, a source said that a few people attending that party referred to Chancellor as a useful idiot. And I think that's a really stark representation of where we are when we're looking at this issue of influence, money and politics. And Byline Times first reported on 
the fact that there could be an issue with financiers, hedge funds, people with a lot of money potentially having undue influence on politics, particularly within conservative circles in 2019. So Byline Times was just a year old then, I think. And it was one of our first major stories to receive widespread interest. And with publicly funded data that was available, we looked at how many aggregate short positions had been taken out on the prospect of a no-deal crash-out Brexit by that October. And we found that over £4 billion worth of, of short positions had been taken out by people who had either directly or indirectly funded Boris Johnson's leadership campaign who worked in the city. And What we were trying to say was, you know, the potential of Boris Johnson in any way being influenced with his approach to Brexit with regards to these hedge funds that he relies on for funding. That is a legitimate issue of public interest. There was one graph in the article that we put together, which was incorrect. And as soon as it was pointed out to us, we quickly rectified that and corrected it on our website. And obviously, we always strive for really high standards of accuracy. So I wish we had never missed that. But regardless of that, the rest of the article was sound. And as I said, it was raising something which seemed of legitimate public interest. Was there any influence or the potential of influence on Boris Johnson's Brexit policy from the very rich people who funded his leadership campaign. And yet the response we received from very prominent voices within the established media was, I thought, just so disproportionate. Uh, It was very scornful. It was quite snobby. They were ridiculing Byline Times for even mentioning this as an issue, regardless of the one graph that was incorrect. They were they were sort of saying, well, we don't understand hedge funds. The role of hedge funds is to, as Peter pointed out, sort of hedge, you know, make these bets and, and sort of make money. And we we were saying, we're not saying that hedge funds are doing anything wrong. The thing that is of concern is how hedge funds doing what they're legally entitled to do could potentially influence government policy. And I just think the reaction to us covering that issue three years ago, which was, this is a non-story, you guys don't know what you're talking about, this is all wrong, was actually, in hindsight, very revealing. Because as you say, three years later, here we are, and the Chancellor, after delivering a budget which saw the pound crash to its lowest value since the mid-1980s, he meets a group of people who are associated with hedge funds. And this is only apparently just big news now. It's not. And so it's good that the Times newspaper and others are finally starting to pick this up within the mainstream press. But my question is, is it better late than never? Or actually, is it too little too late? Mm. And for people who are looking for a, a smoking gun here for the email that says, if you, politician, do this, we hedge fund financiers, donors to your party will profit by this amount. They're kind of missing the point. It isn't as simple as that, but this is about influence. It's about who people listen to, whose interests they represent, and people who may be publicly promoting a particular stance and then profiting when ministers make decisions in accordance with that stance. Mm. 
look at the cocktail party was a private party. It was held in the home uh, of one of these financiers. It was quite a small cohort of people. Even the nature of that, you know, is a social gathering, essentially. And that's what we're talking about. As you say, Adrian, it's, we're never going to find that document that says we want you to influence this policy in our favour. But it's having dinners. It's sharing anecdotes over drinks. It's making people aware who are in positions of power what your interests are and why it's in their interest, potentially, to cater to your interests. And yeah, it's a whole, uh, it's the water we swim in, basically, or it's the water that some of these politicians at quite an elite level are swimming in. And I think it's completely contrary to the representative democracy in Britain that we have. You know, I don't, I don't see how the interests of the British public are being represented. We have a very small group of people who have the ear of the Chancellor, you know, who can literally go to a party with him and, and share some drinks and talk to him casually and have, have a good time with them. I just don't see how that's serving the public interest at all. I was going to add, you know, we do have an audit trail of some kind. You know, the donations coming from these hedge funds, it takes time for the information to come out to watch the market, see their profit margins. But Chris Binodi did very well. He was a major donor to vote leave and leave EU. Did really well. 250, 350 million with his partner, business partner on Brexit. We know that you know, Kwasi Kwarteng and Jacob Rees-Mogg work with him. Here's a bit of evidence, right, which came out by accident thanks to Channel 4 documentary, which was shown, I think, late September 2019. Crispin Odie was interviewed on the 22nd of July that year, 2019. Uh, and this was a day before Johnson actually won the leadership. That's clear he was going to do so. And two days before he entered number 10. And he said, well, what they should do is suspend Parliament and get Brexit through that way. Now, that was, we later got to know, was prorogation. But can I tell you this? Johnson wasn't in number 10 then. It took two weeks later that Nikki da Costa secretly sought advice on uh, proroguing Parliament. And then a little bit later, the Jacob Rees-Mogg went up to Balmoral to see the Queen and only emerged in public knowledge about prorogation and a hard deal, crash out Brexit on the 31st of October, when a month after Christine Odie knew about it. That, to me, suggests there were conversations, I don't know who with, his aides to Johnson's aides, a plan was known to him. And we do know that didn't happen, of course, because of the Supreme Court, and anybody, I'm not suggesting Christine Odie better than I have no clue if he did or not, they lost money. They lost money because it didn't happen. But we do know, Bloomberg recorded, there were double the number of normal swaps on the pound and the dollar. I, a lot of people are betting on that day. Now, we tracked $4 billion. Now, obviously, most of that was just random, you know, random hedge funders, hedge funders hedging. You know, they would have gone along, but these were the short positions around that date. What I'm saying is that that is maybe normal in financial markets. A tiny fraction of $4 billion a thousandth of it, it's just four million, if I get my maths right, has a huge impact on politics. And it's not so much that the conflict of interest laws, rules, are not being applied to donations. We've seen that in some of the other scandals around PPE and things like that. And so we have a political problem. There should be a professional standards in hedge funds that they don't invest or give donations 
to politicians who can make market-moving decisions. I mean, in law, that would be people say I'm conflicted. And the, the origin of this was one big hedge fund, which maybe people have forgotten about, which has had an enormous impact on British and American politics. And that's Robert Mercer, the hedge fund billionaire, runs a hedge fund, the biggest in the world called Rentec, who funded Trump and who funded Cambridge Analytica and Breitbart. He was, he was trying to avoid it. It was happened with that, quite a large tax bill, by the way, because he uses so algorithms to trade hyper fast. But we have a problem where regulation and politics is not keeping up with what they call fintech. And I have no doubt, we, after we raised it, the former chancellor, Philip Hammond, raised it, various financial experts raised, this is a problem of regulation and a political problem of conflict of interest regulation. And just so we're clear, Boris Johnson has been backed. He's received donations from some of the hedge fund financiers that we're talking about. Quasi Quateng used to work for one. There was significant hedge fund backing for Vote Leave, although some hedge fund financiers also backed the Remain campaign. But there is clear evidence of hedge funds seeking overtly to influence British politics. Yeah. And, you know, obviously there was some, so Waste Marshall is interesting. That's a big hedge fund. I think they made 250 million. Waste, I think it's Michael Waste, but anyway, he is the partner with Paul Marshall and he's a Remainer. And obviously people spread, but no, I don't think the Remain campaign and certainly not any Labour or Lib Dem leader has had 70%, 5% of their donors coming as city traders and hedge funds. That is a sign of something going on, and also a sign of how far away the Conservative Party is getting from its base. Because, you know, as we discovered the PP scandal, the idea that these crony contracts going on through BIP lanes, it shot Conservative voters more than Labour voters, because they tend to be you know, small business people. They tend to believe in a kind of free competitive market, or more interested in that. Uh, I think Labour people would believe in that too. And so it means because of the current donation system, that a tiny number of hyper-rich people could basically fund the Conservative Party. Peter Oborn says it doesn't represent industry, it doesn't represent most services or professions, it represents hyper-rich oligarchs. And therefore, unsurprisingly, tax cuts are given, they had to be reversed, which would have benefited those people completely disproportionately. So it's a wider problem than just hedge funds. It's an oligarchical capture, I would say, or potential oligarchical capture by the 0.01%. And Hardeep, Peter describes the history of hedge funds. And people can imagine perhaps if you were growing wheat in the fields and you wanted to hedge against a significant loss if your market price wasn't what you hoped it would be. So the origins of hedge funds seem eminently sensible and reasonable. But when we have financiers in the city making tens of millions, hundreds of millions of pounds off the back of the failure of Sterling, the collapse of companies like Carillion, the outsourcing company, I think ordinary people might just think, at the very least, that's a bit distasteful, not really a positive thing to do as a job not helpful to society. Yes. I mean, we will have our own ethical judgments about what hedge funds are doing. 
And I think you're right. I think a lot of members of the public, especially at a time like this of, of such crisis, will find that distasteful. But I think the point here is that regardless of what we think morally about what hedge funds are doing, they are acting within the legal parameters, right? So it is their, the role for them to make these sorts of bets, even if that's on the pound crashing, which most people would agree is, is a bad thing for Britain. But I think regardless of that, I think the role of hedge funds within politics and their links to politicians is something we can all agree shouldn't be happening. How can you allow a very small group of people who are potentially going to benefit from government policy going their way, especially if that's quite an extreme right-wing government policy? How is that a representative democracy? It's not. It's closer to an oligarchy. But then that's why this moment with Kwasi Kwarteng is really interesting. Because as I said, three years ago, when we raised this with regards to the no-deal Brexit and Boris Johnson, no one really wanted to know within the media, which is a story in itself about certain elements of the media and their, clo- their closeness to politicians. But I think Kwasi Kwarteng and Liz Truss and the economic policies that they are seeking to impose on this country, most conservatives are startled by them. And the Conservative Party has moved as Peter's saying, so far from its traditional base that, you know, even people who voted for Brexit or, uh, you know, think we need to do something about immigration, even they don't want this kind of low tax, low regulation, Singapore on TEM style economic governance. And so I think Kwasi Kwarteng and Liz Truss, by taking it, pushing, if you like, their economic desires to the limit, have exposed something that was always a problem, which is the influence of big money and politics. And I'm glad, as I said, that elements of the media are now starting to wake up and say that this is an issue. But uh, my question is, why, why hasn't it been an issue beforehand? You know, why, why is it only now that the pound has crashed that the media wakes up and starts investigating this. Why three years ago when we said this is a valid issue of public interest, did those organisations who have far more resources than we have on a small startup newspaper, why then didn't they say, actually, we will look into this? They didn't. And arguably, I would say it's too little too late. We, We do now have a government who is willing to crash the pound. There's more talks of benefit cuts. There'll be slashing public services. This impacts everyone's lives. And I think, yeah, it's another instance of the media picking and choosing what it wants to hold politicians to account on and what it doesn't. Hardeep, thank you. Peter, thank you. You can read Hardeep's article at bylinetimes.com about this, posing the question, is our current interest in the impact of these hedge funds on UK politics. Better late than never or too little too late. Head over to bylinetimes.com and you can read previous articles written by Peter and others as well at the website. If you want to support the brilliant investigative work that we're doing at Byline Times, please take out a subscription. You get a brilliant monthly newspaper edited by Hardeep. You're also helping to pay for this podcast as well. And thank you for listening. I'm Adrian Goldberg. Thank you, Hardeep. Thank you, Peter. I'll see you again soon. Cheers now. Bye-bye.